This episode of the Midday Madness Sports Podcast is brought to you by Alpine Unlimited Company. Their mission is to provide high-quality, comfortable, and stylish clothing for a community of people who love nature and enjoy spending their time in the great outdoors. You can check out their designs at alpineunlimitedcompany.com, and if you use code ERIC10, you can receive 10% off your entire order. Again, that is alpineunlimitedcompany.com, and use code ERIC10 to receive 10% off. Testing. Testing, 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 do you read? We in It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 2 on September 14th. Eric Miller alongside Noah Pagler on the Midday Man of Sports Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. And uh, this has been a very exciting week because NFL came back. We'll talk about our uh, Mad 5 picks, how great it was to do it and to have someone against me. And uh, we'll get into that record in a little bit. If you followed us on Facebook, you already know. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the top 10 list that was on announced on our Facebook page. If uh, Noah has any complaints about that, we'll see if he does. Uh, also, we'll talk. We'll recap the week two of the NCAA college football uh, week that it was, the NFL week one recap. Can I stump pegs once again? Uh, our Mad Five Picks week two edition on a stay in sports history and quote of the day, but Noah Peckler, how are you doing today, sir? I'm actually doing uh, good now. And I will say this past weekend, I couldn't believe it, but the New York giants uh, won in week one. Uh, I can't believe it. I uh, mean, Dable, you have guts, man, to be going for a two point conversion when, you know, if we mess that up, we lose the game. And yet we ended up coming out on top victorious in Nashville. And yet it's only the second time since 2010 that I get to celebrate a New York Giants week one win and say we're actually undefeated. It doesn't happen that often. We always write it off. Cue the uh, frozen song for the first time in forever. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just couldn't believe it. We at least have the start off the season on the right foot. But how about you, Eric? I mean, I was I'm great because you know it's the start of the NFL season. I took a great nap during the Jets' uh, third half or second half of the game because it was that boring. There was nothing else to really talk about. They couldn't move the ball, which I mean, with when you have an older Joe Flacco who can't move in the pocket, can't move outside the pocket, it, you you know you're limited. Um, that sucked, but you know it was it was still good. I ended up doing really well against you, which kind of matters most because it's reality, not fantasy. I don't want to talk about fantasy football because that sucked as well. But it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good weekend. And uh, the Yankees beat the Red Sox last night in 10 innings with finally a big hit by Glaber Torres. So overall, it's been pretty good besides just losing, which I kind of knew was going to happen anyways. <laughs> yeah. And then no the five. silent. <laughs> Now, the Mad Five picks did not work out for me. I mean, I took a risk on the Rams, and Green Bay has a lot of problems right now, and they need to at least figure things out moving forward, at least with chemistry and anything besides, you know, Devontae Adams. You know, it's like you just got to move on. 
here's my funny here's the funny thing about this you had picked i'm looking at the whiteboard behind me buffalo in as your uh actually this was your super bowl matchup right here in week one mm-hmm. so you picked against buffalo in week one but you have buffalo winning the super bowl against the brams and then you also if you if i'm looking at this correctly i know you did pick green bay okay i thought you picked minnesota as your uh division winner you didn't you picked minnesota as a wild card team and you went yeah. against green bay well you went with green bay what what made you want to go with uh green bay in this well I felt that Rogers' experience would have been enough to take down the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And then I'm a big believer, at least, you know, in the first week, new coaches will have their struggles because usually you have to figure out what plays you're running. And then just the communication can be a problem sometimes about finding that on the same level. But Minnesota was prepared and they were able to just uh, have a great first half. That's all it really took. I mean, after that, Green Bay, their offense was nowhere and only got that one touchdown. And you look at the Rams. I mean, I felt that, you know, Super Bowl champions usually do well trying to defend their home turf in the first game. Usually they come out strong, but they didn't that time. And Buffalo is looking like a strong team. I mean, they're number one in the power rankings, but yet that, I mean, that's, I will say in that, in that game, it was tied at halftime, 10, 10. So it could have gone either way, but yet too many mistakes by the Rams and interception. And then a lot of touchdowns coming out of Josh Allen. That guy, I will say has a lot of good qualities that the bills were glad that they took this man in the draft when they had the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at that game, just that first game of the regular season, Allen went 26 of 31, 297 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. He also led the team in rushing with 10 attempts and 56 yards of rushing as well. Stephon Diggs, I mean, when you can get the ball to your prime receiver, eight receptions of nine targets, 122 yards, one touchdown. And Gabe Davis, I think, is a very underrated two wide receiver for this team. He had five targets, four catches, 88 yards, and also a wide open touchdown. Buffalo proved why they are a Super Bowl contender, why they're number one in the rankings. And my only concern about them is not having a good running game. When your quarterback is actually the lead uh, rusher for your team, that kind of gives me a concern, but they can get away with it, but for how long can they get away with That's going to be the real question. Yeah, to look at the running back situation of any team, I mean, you see uh, of the past, I mean, you don't need to have an Emmett Smith. You don't need to have a Barry Sanders yeah. to at least be part of your offense, but you at least need somebody who's reliable at the skills that they have. I mean, yep. if, you, if your ability is to run to the side and, you know, fake out the defenders, that's one thing. If you are a strong back like Derrick Henry, at least in that sense of strength, that at least comes along with it. Or even if you're a hard guy to tackle just with big mass, like, you know, the bus, Jerome Bettis had that skill. I mean, even for the Giants, our guy was Brandon Jacobs. That guy was always huge. He was a big man running downfield. And then we even had a combination with Ahmad Bradshaw. That's how we made it work. And then speed and power. Yeah, Singletary is going to have to be that guy. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure there will be times where in the Bills' schedule, 
depending on who they face. I mean, they'll have to take on more of a run approach if Josh Allen, you know, has a hard time just throwing the ball. And, I mean, obviously you look at a team like Minnesota who's on their schedule. I mean, Minnesota's defense is going to be hard to play against, so you're going to at least have to test multiple options. Chicago, I mean, it's not going to be their toughest game, but Chicago is always a defensive first kind of team. They always somehow find a way to at least – put their defense out front forward. Now Buffalo is off to a great start. I still think they're, you know, a good, the team to get to the Super Bowl. I didn't pick them mainly because I thought, you know, first game, this is, they've had the tough schedule just in the first few weeks. They face the Rams, they face the Titans next week. And or now that I felt that, you know, it's like, okay, if you lose these games, that's one thing. But after that, you know, they're going to be really good. And everyone's talking about it. Josh Allen, MVP. I mean, everyone, you look at the last few years, I mean, you've had Mahomes win an MVP. You had Jackson win an MVP. Then the last few years, obviously, it's been Aaron Rodgers. And And it's psychedelics. Yeah, a a lot of combinations. (laughs) But then people want to throw in the talk about, you know, Brady, how he's still able to put up those top quality stats at his age. And then everyone's focused on Justin Herbert, who got a win himself. And now a lot is going to be, put on the attention of Josh Allen. I mean, he if he wins the MVP this year, that'll be amazing. And then after that, I'm sure he's going to be nominated for, you know, the, the Madden uh, video game cover. That's <laughs> Or the be, curse. Yeah, I mean, it, that's always something to consider. Some people, what they think about the Madden cover. And now Buffalo just needs to take care of business against Tennessee this week. And then after that, you got some other games and the division, just that – AFC East division that they used to have uh, no say in what would happen, but now it's completely different. I mean, Buffalo's history. If you look like 20 years ago, Buffalo was down in the dumps. Their QB was JP Losman. Yes. (laughs) That was the name of their QB. They had Marshawn Lynch as like their rookie running back. And then he got out of there and became like a legend in Seattle. Buffalo really had nothing to cheer about. They didn't have much quality players after the 90s run. And now they're just hoping that they could at least replicate a strong team like the 90s. But this time, finish the job. I'm sure that's at least going to be their main goal. Finish the job. And especially if they have to try it once again. Kansas City, they need to break their demons. That's what's going to make the difference. See, that to me was the reason why I picked Buffalo in this game. You saw Josh Allen sitting in overtime, just sitting there, like seething at the moment. Just give me that ball one more time. That's all I need. Give me one more chance. And I got this. And I think he carried that into the season. I think he's going to carry that. That even Stefan Diggs, because the last two years, Stefan Diggs has watched the the celebration in Kansas City, watching them win and taking that all in. Now you have that as fuel. You have that as what you need to hopefully get you and elevate you to that next level and winning. And I think they're going to, like, we noticed, we thought last week Tom Brady was going to be distra- too distracted with the all-season stuff that's been going on with him and Giselle. We thought that was going to be a factor. It's not. And I think with Josh Allen, he's taking that and using that as momentum and using that as, listen, that's how I'm going to focus. I don't want that to happen again. So I think for me, that's why I was able to pick uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to win that game. Uh, You had three losses on this past weekend for Mad Five Picks. I only had one, and that was taking stupid Dallas – 
over Tampa Bay, which even my wife, who's a Cowboys fan, didn't even watch the game, was like, why are you – hey, I saw you. Well, why are you taking Brady – why are you going against Brady? You know what's going to happen. Even a sad Cowboys fan as my wife is, who follows them to the ends of the earth, I don't know why, but knows not to go against Tom Brady. She knows this. And, you know, she was right, unfortunately. I don't want to say that too loudly. But uh, <laughs> we, we, I th- we both thought the same thing. Tom Brady is going to be too distracted. They're not going to have the weapons. Mike Evans is still a top receiver. Uh, Godwin is still a top receiver. It'll be interesting to see what tight end can actually step up. Uh, I didn't really remember who was actually their tight end for this past week because, I mean, Gronk's no longer there. O.J. Howard is on Houston now. So that'll be an interesting thing because that's also going to help them in the running game. But still got Fournette. That's still pretty good. Their offensive line did pretty decent against a – a uh, subpar Dallas defense, uh, keeping Micah Parsons at bay, keeping uh, Diggs out of the way and not even going to him. And when they did, it was a one-hitter catch for Mike Evans in the end zone. Um, so they knew how to kind of stretch it out. And Todd Bowles has been a head coach once before. If you remember, in this first season with the Jets, they went 10-6. and six. They were one game away from going to the postseason. Had Ryan Fitzpatrick not thrown three picks in Buffalo – they would have gone to the playoffs here. Not saying they would have done, they would have gone all the way, but he has some good success it, with head coaching. It was just the defense or the offense that couldn't do it. Now he has a great offense, and I don't think he really has to coach that much because Byron Rothwich and Tom Brady already got the offensive side good. He just needs to worry about the defense, and the defense is already all set. To look at Tampa Bay's performance, I mean, offensively, it wasn't the most clutch. I mean, oh. the fact that. You know, the drive sort of stalled out, and it was a field goal battle for the first half. And it took Mike Evans, you know, that one-handed catch in the end zone, I will say. The fact that he was able to bring that in uh, with it, that fade was pretty good. Such and then to look at this, I mean, the one tight end I found, you know, that was on the stat sheet for the Patriots ended up being Cameron Brate. And he you mean Bucks, not the Patriots, right? Sorry, again, Brady, Patriots. It's like <laughs> it's peanut butter and jelly. It goes right together smoothly. The Buccaneers, yes, Cameron Brate, and he only had three targets, one re- uh, reception, and for seven yards. And Tampa Bay needs to focus on their offensive line, as I mean, they, I mean, they highlighted the lots of changes because of guys retiring or being injured, and. You know, I saw you saw you saw Brady was getting hit, and yeah. I mean, how many more hits can he really take? And then, I mean, you look at some of uh, the receivers he was using. He was using Evans. He's also got Julio Jones, a guy that was regarded as one of the greatest wide receivers a few years ago. And then he just you know faded away because Atlanta wasn't winning games, and then he never fit in in Tennessee. Nope. And Godwin, right now, his health is really questionable. I mean, the guy, I believe, got hurt again. It's a big problem for uh, Tampa Bay, knowing that Red they're going to have to. Uh, <laughs> then uh, it, you look at the Buccaneers with what what they're going to have. I mean, they 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 keep a lot of their own guys in the ha- in the house, and yep. knowing that yep. you know they can trust all of them, they do their job. But yeah, I mean, you may have to look at some other pieces um, to at least fill in, knowing that you know injuries could be a problem. As for Dallas. 
Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned it before we came on. Dallas is going to have a lot of problems now. Losing Dak Prescott. I mean, fracturing his thumb. I mean, I have him on my fantasy team. And Sorry. Yeah, that that was a waste of <laughs> that was a waste of a pick. La- la- last year was worse for my fantasy team. I had Gus Edwards and Etienne, and both of them got hurt and were done for the year. Yeah, it. it I, I think I was like cursed last year, at least at running back. And then now going to Dallas, they have Cooper Rush going to be leading the way for ne- at least the next two months. There was speculation that Dallas could go after a quarterback. Everyone was saying Garoppolo, Garoppolo, throwing around the name because, you know, he's available. But, I mean, for starters, Dallas would have to give up probably a lot, you know, in draft picks just to land him. And what are you going to do at that point? You're going to keep Garoppolo happy for, like, six games, and then you're going to sideline him when Dak returns. And Dallas feels now they could take the hit. I mean, you look at their upcoming schedule. Cincinnati, yeah, that's really – Loss. Something that they're not, yeah, looking forward to. Then you have New York. I mean, knowing ah, that New York must be a loss. It should be a loss, but I, my Giants somehow lose games in, in crazy ways. That's true. I, that's coming that's from a real true. Giants fan. The Commanders, who knows that that could be really a coin flip. Sometimes last a year tie. they dominated them. Yeah, a possible tie. Then you have the Rams and the Eagles. Loss. loss. Then you have Lions, Lions and Bears. A split. Maybe Win I mean, one. Dallas, I would imagine, would lose the majority of these games. But yeah. at the same time, I could see them at least maybe pulling one or two out. And they, they've for some reason, it's like even in Dallas, you know, just because of their organization with the quality of players they have, they figure out how to, you know, make a comeback and, you know, ride the season. I mean, yep. I because I mean, if you look at the schedule, they, they could end up with only like five losses. Um, by that point when Dak returns and then all they need to do is win like four games and all of a sudden they're back in the conversation. No. The NFL's the NFL season is longer now. I mean, it's not no longer nine and seven. It could be nine and eight. You add that one extra game. It makes the difference. And knowing that also you still have the other half of your division schedule to play when he returns, that will be key. Not to mention that he has a good stretch of games against the, the AFC South, including against the Colts, Texans, and Jaguars. Easy wins. Part of that. They could be easy wins. I mean, Should be. I, I, I was watching one video of this guy who uh, does uh, YouTube stuff, and he's like, AFC South, we need to talk. And then he's like, hey, how did you guys not win a game despite winning, playing the Giants, Commanders, and each other? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't that the uh, Brian, like the bench warmer guy? I think so. Uh, I can't remember. He makes shorts. I think, well, yeah, he does make shorts, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Another quarterback that kind of came out of nowhere, but it would make sense, but then it wouldn't. Uh, There is also Cam Newton, who's actually out there. And they wouldn't have to give up much, just a little little amount of money. It would be better than Cooper Rush. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Rush did beat the Vikings on Sunday Night Football last year. True. And Cam Newton is a guy that, you know, could – Call for a reliable lack, a reliable backup. As yep. um, you remember, the last time Dak got hurt, Dallas had uh, Andy Dalton leading the way. At least <laughs> Red Rock. At, at least at one point, because you got to remember, before that they, tr- I think they tried uh, Garrett Gilbert. They also had, I think Ben DiNucci. I think. Oh yeah, because <laughs> he was on uh, against Philly. Yeah, because um, because Dalton got hurt against uh, Washington. 
Yep. And then, yeah, they had to call up uh, Danucci, and then I think Gilbert was there for, like, the Steelers game, and then at that point, Dalton was ready to go once again. That 2020 year was uh, not that long ago, and yet had its crazy moments. But now Dallas, every, everyone is sort of, you know, writing them off at this point because, you know, at the beginning of the year, and you lose your quarterback for at least almost two months. And that's how it's not. I mean, it's tough in football. And honestly, as a football fan, you always got to think it's like, you know, some teams start off well. Some teams are not good at all. Then some teams are just dealt like a bad hand of bad luck. And unfortunately, I was going to say, and it (laughs) seems like Dallas, you know, was just handed that bad card right there. So another interesting thing is I wonder who would win a game first, the Jets or the Cowboys? <laughs> because if the Cowboys can go four I mean, and four, they still have a shot, I feel like, in the NFC. If they go two and six, they're done. Like that start preparing for next year. Because you don't, I mean, the pr- one major problem about Mike McCarthy, he's not a running back court a running back coach. He is a passing 70% pass uh, offense. If you take away 70%, you only have 30%. And out of that 30%, you're only probably going to do 10% of running and you're still going to do 20% of passing, even with a, a second string quarterback. So it's the percentages are not good for Cowboys. I can see why everyone's running them off. I looked at our predictions. I have Dallas as a wild card right now. And, I'm like, even now, I kind of want to change it. Like, you had texted me, I, I want to change my uh, my Mad Five picks. Or, no, you wanted to change your uh, NCAA after uh, yeah. what happened this weekend. We'll, we'll get to that. that. We'll get to in that. In a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of feel the same way with Dallas. Like, without Dak, they're not going to do anything. And even with Dak in that game, they didn't do anything because they don't have receivers. It's kind of like with Green Bay now. Who would whose team would you rather have? Would you rather have a really good offensive uh, running backs with Dylan and Jones, or would you rather have Dallas with just Zeke and that's it? Well, Pollard's pretty good, but they don't utilize him enough. But whose wide receiver core would you rather have, Green Bay or Dallas? For me, they're about the same. I mean, I think Dallas is better because I think CD Lamb would be better than uh, Lazard. I mean, Lamb was good quality at a. Oklahoma. It's just yeah. that Lamb had to play uh, second fiddle to pretty much uh, Mike, to Amari Cooper and even Michael Gallup. Yeah, and, which is surprising because Gallup is actual two receiver for the Cowboys, but he's regarded as a one receiver instead, and he's out too. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have much with Dallas. Yeah, um, and I picked I picked them as a division winner. Yeah, you did. I picked Philly. Thank God. <laughs> We'll have to that, wait until the moment to change it. We'll wait till the moment to change it. Yeah, week eight, most likely at midway through the season. Um, yeah. So what game do you think was the best game of week one this past weekend? Okay. Uh, I mean, I got to look at this and, you know, the craziest game I will have to say, and probably, yeah, that game was the Steelers and Bengals. That's true. I mean, I was watching. I was uh, flipping back and forth. Um, I was staying on the Eagles and Lions, but then I caught the end of that Steelers-Bengals game. I saw the final uh, last half of the drive from Joe Burrow getting that pass to Jamar Chase to the touchdown, and it's like, yep, Cincinnati, you're doing good. And, you know, they have Evan McPherson, who is considered a great kicker. And all of a sudden, Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, 
or at least Fantasy the points. defense coming in. Fuck. And unbelievable. You block the extra points and the Steelers never quit on the game. The fact is, is that that just shows even when the clock is like down to the final seconds, they only, there was only two seconds left. And yep. then you even on an extra point try, even it's like one of the easiest plays in football. And yet they somehow came up with the block that saved the game. And then just to see everything that happened in overtime, unbelievable. The fact that the Steelers won this game with Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> everyone wrote this guy off. Another they person. Completely gone. Mitchell Trubisky, 194 yards, one touchdown, and taking down Joe Burrow. Burrow had four interceptions. Yep. And yet everyone is ranking this guy as the like top three quarterback in the league. Nope. This was not a good performance by Cincinnati. Def- trying to defend your AFC crown, unbelievable game. But I will say, credit to Pittsburgh, never giving up, especially after all the missed kicks. The, the Boswell doink, I couldn't believe. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a, it was just a crazy game. The doink heard around the world. Um, there was a lot of good games actually this weekend. I like the Atlanta New Orleans game. I tried to catch up a little bit on. I couldn't believe that New Orleans actually won with Jameis Winston. Um, I, I do have to say, though, now I'm happy that I, this is the game that I chose for the best game of the weekend, which was the last game of the weekend, Seattle versus Denver. It, but it was also disheartening because it was very hard to watch the clock management. When Russell Wilson's played here for, what, 10 years of his career, he gave everything he could to Seattle, and yet the clock management, you knew that that stadium's going to get loud. You've played on that same side watching every team struggle because of that 12th man. But to watch them struggle and have two timeouts at the end and then have your coach, after, like yesterday whatever it was, say, yeah, we handled that poorly. No shit, Sherlock. That was terrible. <laughs> terrible. But I will admit, it was a great game to watch because seeing Geno Smith say, especially at the end, everyone wrote me off, but I didn't write back. I thought that was the quote of the weekend right there. And, like, I never had a problem with Geno. I thought he was a good quarterback for the Jets. Again, terrible system that he was in with Rex Ryan. They, they wrote him off. And it seemed like this weekend, the theme was, you write me off, I didn't listen to you because I still felt like I had more to prove. And a lot of these guys that were written off, like uh, you had said, um, Mitchell Trubisky, a lot of people wrote him off. He comes back and has a great game. Geno Smith, he comes back and has a great game. Tom Brady wasn't perfect. He had a good game. Um, Just so many players this weekend, it felt like that was the theme of this weekend. You're going to write me off? Well, I'll show you why you shouldn't do that. Um, And I, I thought it was a really great weekend overall. And also some other interesting facts about this weekend. Uh, it is the there were five games decided by a game winning score in the final two minutes of regulation or in overtime, and that's tied for the third most such games in week one all time. There hasn't been more such games on kickoff weekend in 20 years since 2002. And for the third time in the past four years, multiple kickoff weekends went to overtime. Uh, it's also the fourth time that ever 
that ever happened that multiple teams had overcome a deficit of at least 16 points to win or tie in week one. Joining 2019, three teams. In 2020, they had two teams. Also in 99, it had marked the second time in the past three seasons that a team overcame a deficit of 16 points in the fourth quarter to win on kickoff weekend. Chicago overcame a 17-point deficit to win in week one of 2020. Um so it seemed like there was a lot of good that was coming out of this. And also it's a 5% increase from uh, 2021 of the 121 million fans that watched this past weekend, which is great to see. And it's great to see that the NFL is coming back. Not like it ever fell off, but yeah. And I mean, now that this year you got fo- football back more in a full swing after two years where you had one year with um the pandemic fans weren't really allowed to go to games unless you yep. lived in a state that, you know, was allowing like 50%. And then you had last year and all, all the COVID protocols, but then now this year, I mean, now that it's officially like, okay, stuff is like back to normal, even though the pandemic's officially not declared over. I mean, it basically everyone has gone back to normal, but then you look oh, yeah. at how that just some of these Crazy games down the one score. I mean, you mentioned the New Orleans-Atlanta game. I mean, what is it with Atlanta blowing leads? I mean, they have so many many games in the bag, and they seem to find new ways to just lose. Like, you know, they're trying to have fun with it. It's like, okay, how are we going to lose this week? (laughs) How are we going to give up (laughs) more points to the other team? I could see Matt Ryan being like, you know, we might have tied. That's the exact reason why I left Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I can't believe Indy, you know, like you're going out against Houston and you tie the team that has Davis Mills leading the way. I mean, Matt Ryan, he threw 352 yards, threw an interception as well, and was averaging seven yards per pass. I mean, how do you lose with a stat line of at least over 300 passing yards? And then you look at, Washington. I mean, they were so close to losing that game too against yep. Jacksonville, but yet the commanders found a way to win. And then you look at Cleveland, Cleveland won on a long field goal and it, it upset everyone. I mean, another thing is, is that you talk about close games. There was no revenge games. Everyone was saying Baker, he's going to get his revenge against Cleveland for everything he did. Didn't happen. Then you, everyone was expecting Russell Wilson, to get his revenge game against Seattle. Mm-hmm. That did not happen either. Yep. And now Denver's down in the loss column right there with the Raiders while they're looking up at the Chargers and Chiefs. And you mentioned Geno Smith. I mean, the guy has had his lots of uh, downs in a year. And, I mean, he had his uh, moments at the Jets. Didn't he have his jaw broken by his teammate? I think uh, so, yeah. Over, over a dispute. And then... You know, he ended up with the Giants for a short stint. He's the reason why Eli's uh, start streak is ruined. The, it, <laughs> it, I mean, he 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 was just the he was just the player. It was mainly yeah. that guy McAdoo. And then, the, looking at what he's been able to do in the Se- in Seattle, he was there last year. He took over when uh, Wilson was uh, hurt, and he got to play against the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. And the the Seahawks were actually kind of close in that game. Yeah, I mean. It, it just goes to show that even though a team is considered, you know, somewhat rebuilding, you still have the coach. Pete Carroll's still there. Yep. And then 
I mean, Geno Smith was at least with this team and has, you know, football knowledge that he can at least get to an NFL roster. And because of that, the Seahawks are leading the division because the rest of the NFC West didn't do anything. Cardinals did not show up at all. That They, they pulled the plug on that game yep. once they got to the fourth quarter against the Chiefs. And the but they went to a better game, though, honestly. Yeah. The Raiders and Chargers. And then the, the, the 49ers, everyone is expecting the 49ers to win that game. Yep. Like they were heavily favored against the Bears, and they lost in the rain game. And now the 49ers are down in the loss column. And now the, the NFC West has at least uh, been disrupted for at least one week. I'm sure the Rams are going to find their way to bounce back. Oh, yeah. But it it's just really a rough start for some teams in week one. But that's the importance of week one. Everyone talks about, you know, it's like like this. They have a percentile of like, you know, teams who lose in their first games usually like don't have a lot of good chances of making it to the postseason. Usually the football is the one sport where it's like you really have to start off well in order to really make a good run. And that it all starts from the beginning. So looking at Geno Smith, he spent four years with the Jets. This is his third year with the Seahawks. He spent one year with the Chargers and one year as the uh, Giants backup. Um, And you mentioned the uh, Chargers and Raiders game. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Mack and Bosa on opposite sides of each other. That is going to be my new favorite duo to watch in this NFL. Now, they're going to get JC Jackson back. And unfortunately tomorrow night, it's not going to be a full uh, chargers lineup because JC Jackson's out. Keenan Allen's going to be out as well tomorrow night, which really sucks for the chargers. So I think the chiefs should go, should win that game. But can you imagine a rant, a actual fully healthy chargers defense versus Pat Mahomes and the chiefs, even though, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs look really good. It didn't even seem like they needed Tyreek Hill anymore. That, oh, well, you're going to go. We got three new players that are going to take over. It's kind of like Hydra. If you're looking at the uh, at Marvel, oh, well, there's always kill one, and we got three more that's about to come up anyway, so, you were, so we're good. Um, so I, I was actually pretty impressed with the Chiefs this weekend as well. Uh, I... Uh, I thought the first half for the Jets game was probably the best half, even though Flacco did throw that pick and it led to the three points going down to half three, nothing. I thought the defensive front was really good. It's secondary. Sauce Gardner only allowed one reception, by the way, for eight yards. So that's, that's pretty good. Keeping people contained. And he was on a tight end, by the way, on Andrews. So Andrews, that's their number one guy. They took him away, especially on third downs. They had sauce on him. So I love the blanket coverage that he had. But it's all these little things that have to add up for the Jets. Not having Zach Wilson is hurting the Jets. Now, personally, I'd rather have Mike White as a starter for the Jets this week against the the, the Browns and see what kind of uh, quarterback he can be. We saw him light him up last year. I believe what it was either the Titans or the Bengals that he ended up winning. And it worked out for him. So one of those two teams or one of those two games, it worked out for him. Why not see the end? I mean, what else really do you have to lose? Joe Flacco just can't move in the pocket anymore. And if you have a mobile quarterback for the Jets like White, 
he can give you that outside of the pocket pressure and or even be able to run. Unlike Flacco, who ran like two, I think a snail passed him a few times when he was trying to throw. Yeah, not a good, not a good look against the Jets uh, or against the Ravens. And now you're taking on a team like Cleveland, who will be at home, coming off of a big win in a game where everyone expected them to lose. And then after that, I mean, you, I mean, who decided the Jets' schedule? You have the entire it's the AFC, AFC North. Yeah, you have the AFC North for like your first four weeks. Yep. You just get, get all of that out of the way. Get him done and over with. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, and I know. And then you you play against the Dolphins, and then you finally get the you get the Packers in Week Six. Man, I honestly think the Jets have one of the toughest opening schedules to deal with. It really is why tough. I, I can see why you said like who's going to win your first game. You are Dallas. <laughs> Exactly. And if you think about it, so they play against the entire AFC North first. Then you also have to play against the NFC North with the Packers and the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions. So you're already screwed. That's why, like, that's why I said before, I'll be happy if the Jets can get six wins. That's all I need because it's two. I think it's either equal last year or one more better than the year before. So. The, the small victories will come. It, but last year they beat the Titans and they beat the Bengals. Not many teams could say they beat the Bengals last year or the Titans, and they beat them both, both in New York, by the way. So they play and they they really do try. They come up short and they make stupid mistakes. But yeah, whatever. I just wonder, no, knowing that with this Jets team, where does success lies? I mean, can you really blame this all on Robert Sala? I mean, how how much like patience do you have for a coach? Because because obviously some guys, you know, it's like you can blame the injuries all you want, yeah. but then you, some teams go all out on the coach. I mean, like look at what the Giants did last year. I mean, we could have pointed last year's like, well, we didn't win games without Daniel Jones. That was kind of <laughs> it. Or otherwise, you know, we could have kept Joe Judge. There was a lot of uh, possibility that we were going to keep Judge, but you know, when you run a QB sneak on a third and nine, <laughs> that that that's just not going to cut it. And Best so, play call ever. We had to get rid of him, and right now, of course, Dable. Again, I I at least have to say this. I mean, the New York Giants. <laughs> I couldn't believe again the fact that we won this game. I mean, we were not favored in this game. I mean, the fact that you had Jones who can't stop fumbling a football. I mean, nope. e- even if you put stick him on this guy's hands, he would figure out <laughs> some way to fumble a football. And then the you got to also look at later in the game, we recovered a muff punt by the Titans, and yet we threw an interception in the red zone. And we still won the game. And a lot of it was thanks to Saquon Barkley. He had a very good start to the season, 164 rushing yards, and ended up with one rushing touchdown, and he got the two-point conversion that we needed. And yep. he's he's looking like he's having fun again. And that's the kind of Saquon Barkley we want. Sterling Shepard even caught a touchdown. I mean, I'm normally <laughs> used to this guy, you know, being injured consistently. And yet he had two catches and one of them big play for 65 yards. And they didn't give up in that game. And yet. You know, when the Titans were marching down, I was so used to the fact where it's like, okay, is this uh. the same? You, you know, it's like some, some, some teams have their ways of losing games. Falcons yeah. blow leads. I mean, you have, 
you know, Indy losing the big game from last year with Carson Wentz. And then you have Dallas with their hopes all high about the Super Bowl. And then somehow in the postseason, it just goes downhill. Now with the jet with the Giants, our thing is we get the lead. And then we just allow another team to get in field goal range and just kick the game winning field goal. I have seen it so many times. And this time, I mean, I, I was looking at my phone cause I couldn't watch the game because, you know, they forced us onto other coverage that was going on. Yep. And I got to see the notification pop up my phone that said the giants win final. I couldn't believe it. The <laughs> giants won the game. Normally week one is not good for me. But, yeah, that's why you saw on my Facebook post. I said, we won. We're undefeated. And don't suck. We won the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, don't get ahead of ourselves. But, oh. look, <laughs> it's just nice to, you know, say that we at least won during week one. So, after week one, obviously, we put up our uh, our top ten teams. I don't know if you saw this list yet, Noah. Uh, it is updated. I, I, saw, I saw a glimpse of it. Okay, so I saw a glimpse of it. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna talk about it right now, and if you can tell me who's right and who's wrong, all right. Uh, number ten is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number nine is the Cleveland Browns. Number eight is the Baltimore Ravens. You're probably sensing a theme, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, seven is the Vegas Raiders. Now I know they lost, but they looked really really good early on, uh, and they almost came back and won. By the way, so. That's why they're at seven. Uh, six is the Eagles. Five is the Minnesota Vikings, which they also play each other this week, so that'll change. Number four is the Bucks. Three are the Chargers, and they, they're playing the best division anyways right now, so that's why they're at three. Two is Kansas City. Again, they'll change because these two play each other later on uh, this week. And number one is the Buffalo Bills. So what is this ranking based off of? Uh, most of it's wins and most of it is okay. again, the loss against the opponent. So it's kind of like the, uh, the college playoff rankings where like if the sec, like if Bama and Georgia play against each other and one loses, uh-huh. one is still going to be in the rankings because they play in the best in a better division. Now, the reason why the Ravens are on there is because they didn't look great. They pulled away late, but they didn't look great. And the Steelers, now you could probably move the Steelers up to the eighth spot. I, I couldn't really figure out where to put them, honestly. Uh, they survived the victory. They didn't win. They survived the victory, which is why they're at number 10. The Browns actually did pretty decent, so you can make the case that they should go seven instead of the uh, Raiders. But, yeah. Yeah, to look at, I mean, just some of these teams, I mean, Cleveland, I mean, I think that's a little too high for Cleveland. I mean, you, you win so? a lucky game against like you win a lucky game against Carolina. And I mean that you start off well in week one, but yet come back in like a few weeks, whenever you know lose some games, I mean Cleveland will have a different story. I mean, huh? sure you got Atlanta on the schedule after uh the game against the Steelers and the, you see these games against the Chargers and the Ravens and then the Bengals. That's those are the tough games there. Yeah. Miami, I will say, I mean, 
I, I mean, that's t- they're another team that could possibly sneak their way up. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, uh, we'll see how Mike McDaniel adjusts with his team. And But then also, Cleveland has Buffalo and Tampa Bay and back-to-back weeks. And the fact that you got uh, the Bengals shortly after that trip against the, the Texans, whenever – I mean, by that point, you'll have Deshaun Watson back. Yeah. But I still think it's – I consider maybe a little too high on Cleveland. And then Philly, I mean, a lot of people were uh, thinking, you know, Philly should have lost that game against Detroit. Should have, but they didn't. I mean, all they were saved, you know, by a uh, pick six by Bradbury, you know, because Detroit showed a lot of heart in that game. And they really ran the ball well. I mean, DeAndre Swift was getting some good yardage on those carries because, I mean, Jared Goff didn't really look like a good quarterback in that yeah. game. He, he made some, he made his mistakes. And I mean, Philly, I don't, when I guess Philly would, yeah, make that top 10, but I think right outside the top five is a little tough. <laughs> yeah. The top, the then, bottom five of the 10 is it's probably the toughest part to actually put it in. Now, I do think the top five teams in the NFL this week were the Vikings, the Bucks, the Chargers, Chiefs, and Bills. That, hands down, they handled the business as best as possible. Now, I do think, like I said, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers all won, but they could also get bounced out in a couple of weeks once the Rams start winning. Maybe Green Bay starts actually winning again. Uh, you put in maybe San Francisco could sneak in as well in a little bit. This is a, to me, the week one rankings are always like a rough draft of the season. These are the teams that are good now, but I damn guarantee by week four or five, half of those teams aren't going to be there. And most of that is that bottom five team. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of different teams, you know, at the bottom. I mean, I know I'm thankful you didn't put teams like the Bears or even the uh, Seahawks because they they, they won respectably, but they're not going to be at the top of the list or anywhere because usually there are some teams who squeak out a win in week one and then they end up losing like five in a row. So like also Denver lost, but if they clean up their time clock management and they actually, I don't think Russ was bad, but if they can get Judy and Sutton back, Patrick's out for a little bit, so that's going to be tough for them. But they have a really good one-two punch in the running game as well. I think they'll sneak in to the top ten as well. And, again, week one draft rankings or uh, rankings for the top ten teams, it's just a rough draft. It doesn't – like, when you do a rough draft, you know there's going to be mistakes. You're going to have people out. That top – that bottom five, I don't feel comfortable with at all. And it was like, "Eh, I could put the Steelers up here, but they escaped Cincinnati – the, the Ravens didn't really look good, but they beat the Jets. You know, the, the Browns won, surprisingly, but they finally utilized Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb as well. Um, and they have a good offensive line, so that's another big thing going for them as well. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore, I mean, I expect uh, a lot more out of knowing that, you know, they, they have as long as health is a big part of yeah. uh, their uh, big focus, as mm-hmm. long as they're ready to go, that they should be able – to at least put up good wins. And then Denver, I mean, they just need to finish in the red zone. There were yeah, over too many red zone chances. Yeah, they, they fumbled and turned over the ball. I mean, th- those are points that are left off the board. And yep. even a field goal, seeing how it ha- did come down to a field goal, that, that game should have been in Denver's hands. And they just did not get up and take over when they had their chances right that- in front of them. I mean, you have two timeouts and it's fourth and five and your coach a day later says, oh, yeah, 
We probably should have went for it. You were 65 yards out. Like, why would you? I know McManus is a good kicker. He's not Tucker. I'm sorry. You need to get at least five, maybe six of those yards. I think they would have made it had they gone for it in fourth and five. But that was just tough to watch. And just their clock management. Like, they were rushing a lot. When the clock, the play clock got down to 10, seven seconds, it was like, oh, now we need to go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Russell Wilson should have been better prepared for that one. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be rough for them in the first couple of weeks. Now, I don't know who, I don't remember who they play against this week anyways, but if they can't get that figured out, they're going to be in for a tough, a uh, rude awakening, man. Maybe they'll, instead of winning the, uh, the North or the AFC part, the AFC West, they'll be on the outside. Because right now, I have them winning the West. You have Kansas City. Your pick is looking a lot better than mine right now. But again, to start it's out. week one. So. And uh, for for Denver, they have Houston this week. And then oh, they, so have San, and they have San Francisco on Sunday night football. Who decided this? Hmm. I don't know. I think. And that's in Denver? Yeah, it is in Denver, yes. Hmm. I think I'd go with Denver. I don't know. I have yeah, to we'll see, see what they're going to look like this week. Uh, but speaking of uh, NFL, we're going to go to our stump pegs because one quarterback got a uh, – actually, I'm not going to mention that. Um, this is our stump pegs moment. We always try to stump him right now. We have multiple bets, by the way. Uh, I had to clean it up a little bit. You probably can't see it's way up there. Let me move the camera just a tad bit. So now it actually looks straight for once, except the stump pegs that still slanted. Anyways, um, we made a bet last week about 25 is going to be the designed um, point or questions that I can stump them with. You took the over. I actually have the under, which I'm okay with. So this is a fun part to figure out. Can we stump pegs? Uh, because we're talking about the NFL and it got me thinking because there were a lot of sacks in this uh, week. And do you happen to know which quarterback has been sacked the most? Now this is multiple choice for, for pegs. So we'll see if he can, uh, we'll give him four options and we'll see if he can pick the right one. But do you know what quarterback has been sacked the most all time? Okay. So here are the options. Is it Brady? Is it Rogers? Is it Brett Favre? Or is it Big Ben? I'm going to go with Brett Favre. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Woohoo! We stumped him again! Ah, all right, that's that's 11 times right there. So, I have the top five all-time sacked quarterback list. Where do you think Brett Favre is on this list? Uh, he's got to be at least number two wrong again i no, i'm not going to put that on there so the top five most sacked quarterbacks of all time aaron Rodgers just joined this list this past weekend because he was sacked four times in his game against the minnesota vikings he's been sacked 502 times john elway has been sacked 516 times brett Favre has been sacked 525 times brady has been sacked 545 times and Big Ben has been sacked 554 times. So if Brady gets sacked nine more times, he will have the all-time sack list. Well, can we consider him the sacko of the NFL? 
I mean, I didn't think Brady because he's always had those good offensive lines. But yep. the thing is, is that Brady's been playing for like 20 years. So, you know, you add up all the numbers. Of course, he's going to have the most sacks because he's played like the most NFL games out of all these other quarterbacks. I mean, oh. but, I mean, you can see that. Yeah. At one point, Favre was on top of the list. But oh, yeah. clearly, yes, it was just, you know, more updated. That and he was the gunslinger and he was the uh, the rebel out there. So if it's if it's anything, I think Roethlisberger was my second guess because I knew it wasn't Rogers. Like it, it couldn't have been Aaron Rodgers. He's he's yeah. elusive. <laughs> that and he does he does drugs, man. So, and and they're legal, so it's okay. And to explain for those who don't know, I mean, Pegs was a nickname that people did call me. So I mean. It, it ended up working out that way. It does, and so now I've I've stumped pegs eleven times. I I only need about let's see, uh, I'm terrible at math. Fourteen more times to keep the under. So I need to at least have you write two or three times in order for me to for me to win that under bet. And again, don't don't make don't go easy on me. <laughs> I'm not, oh, trust me, I'm not going easy. You know me. I don't go easy on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> Even my wife is like, yeah, he doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Stump Peg's moment. This episode is brought to you by the uh, Alpine Unlimited Company. This, Their mission is to provide high quality, comfortable, and stylish clothing for a community of people who love nature and enjoy spending time in the great outdoors. You can check out their, their designs at alpineunlimitedco.com. And if you use code ERIC10, you can receive 10% off your entire order. Again, that is alpineunlimitedco.com and use code ERIC10 to receive 10% off. Uh, so we're going to switch gears real quick. Because college football also was a great weekend. Uh, if you were a Penn State fan, you know, they won against Ohio. Ooh. But if you're a fan of really big games, Alabama, your roll tide almost got rolled over by Texas Longhorns. Do you think the Longhorns exposed the Bama uh, game plan or was Bama just not playing the the right Bama way, if that makes sense to you. Well, I mean, there was a, uh, everyone was expecting Bama to, you know, crush Texas because mm. everyone had put Texas as a school with a lost identity because you got to remember, this is a team that lost to Kansas last yeah. year in football. Yeah. Who loses to Kansas in football? I mean, that does when you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be a team that's getting ready for the SEC. I mean, Young, he ended up with 213 passing yards, one touchdown. And then the first half, I mean, Bama just did did not have any answers to get around Texas's defense once we got to the second and third quarter. And then it took us down to the last bit to finally uh, take control. And we ended up getting that field goal in uh, the late part of the game to finally take over. I mean, it was close. I mean, I will say I think – you, you could almost argue that Texas teams are Alabama's weaknesses at times because yep. A&M always finds a way to know, be very annoying. And, yeah, last year, remember, A&M beat us. They ended up uh, being our one uh, regular season loss during the middle of the season. But then yep. the good thing is that uh, Nick Saban, he uh, wants to get back and really – set his team the right way. And I mean, even the one, I believe I saw a video when, uh, after we'd won the game, you saw some of the family players doing the whole handshake. Down thing. Yeah. 
or don't do that shit. Yeah, he's well. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's what he said. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I can understand why he's mad. Oh, yeah. at the same time, I can understand. I can understand why some of the college players want to do that because I'm sure some of the Texas people were trash talking them. You know, Texas always has a big mouth and all that. And I mean, every team does. Every team does it that beats the Longhorns. Every you got somebody on that sideline doing the horns down, <laughs> because you know that when you have a hand gesture as part of your symbol, and even when you beat a team named Texas, <laughs> you just got to just you just gotta take them down. And then, I mean, this is a close game. It's closer than anyone thought. But yep. at the end of the day, a win's a win, and Alabama. You know, they'll, they'll, they moved us down because, you know, it's like, well, you should have won the game by a lot. But at the same time, I mean, Texas has its surprising moments and they're going to get Arch Manning soon enough. Again, the next generation of Manning coming is through the doors. Is that the college that he chose? I couldn't remember or not. Yeah, yeah he, cho- he chose the University of Texas. And they're going to the SEC when he's going to be there? Uh, Well, yeah, by, th- by then, yeah, he should... Uh, be ready to play SEC ball. I mean, they're expecting him to sit out his first year, um, like as a red shirt, I guess, or on the bench. And yeah. so he'll be uh, ready to go once, you know, the SEC play should kick in for Texas. And then now Alabama will take on their next opponent, which is uh, University of uh, Louisiana Monroe, which, you know, we should be favored in that one. We're favored by 49. If we, if we lose by, uh, by 60, <laughs> if, we, if we somehow, you know, only win the game by a point, I think we need some serious uh, questions going on in Alabama. <laughs> Terrible. If you don't win by at least 50 or 60 points, it should be 49 to three by yeah. halftime. And if it's not, you all get, you're all cut. <laughs> You suck. I mean, Nick Saban's going to have him uh, running laps around Bryant Denny. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. You guys, like, that's the thing that kills me about Bama is they're a really good team. Every week they should be playing against the best schools. Like, yeah. Notre Dame should be going against them in the regular season, not in the college playoff game. I mean, to get the experience, yeah. And then, I mean, terrible. We, we, of course, have our uh, – they call them like cupcake games. I mean, we get like a Citadel or like New Mexico state or Samford on the schedule. I mean, you know, get the smaller schools to play us, you know, even though let's face it, we kind of, you know, just beat the crap out of them. You bully them. You're bullies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but we honestly, we should just give them stickers. You played Bama. <laughs> <laughs> you get a participation sticker. You did it. <laughs> Give him one of those old Walmart stickers with a smiley face. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> that would be great to watch. Oh, uh. I mean, where else do those stickers go? <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> That's not what I asked, but okay. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, National oh, Influence Christmas Vacation. Oh, <laughs> you really, wait, uh, now- hold on. Have you seen that movie at least? No. <gasps> what? No, I have not. I I have not seen that movie, but I at least know who Chevy Chase is. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, you've never seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. No. Oh. Uh, uh, I don't know. This may be uh Noah Pegler's last uh 
week as co-host ever. I'm, hey, you, you, you didn't you didn't kill me after I just said I didn't see the Goonies. <laughs> yeah, but this is better than the Goonies. <laughs> oh, man. All right. This is your homework. Once and uh, you don't have to do it now because it's not Christmas season. But once after I was going to say it's gonna, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be on TV. <laughs> oh, it is. But it's better if you watch the DVD or go on like HBO Max. If you need an HBO Max account, we'll go off air and I'll give no, you. An no, account. I I I <laughs> I got HBO Max. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> okay, so after Thanksgiving, you have to watch that movie. That's the first Christmas movie you watch. I don't care what your family does. This is your homework assignment. <laughs> Well, I got to watch the FIFA World Cup, so I got to see no! if that fits my schedule. No! <laughs> Screw FIFA! You already know. Hey, 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 hey. It's going to be Germany. USA, baby. Italy. Come on. Well, we're going to suck. But we already know we're going to suck at that. We always do. We'll make it the round we're of the England on, we're, we're, we're playing England on Black Friday. <laughs> oh, so we're going to lose in the first round then. That's a group stage thing. But anyway, back to this. Yes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> talk about soccer and <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You haven't seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Even my wife is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. That hurts. You're cutting me deep, man. Real deep. Uh, Anyways, go go ahead with your college football thing. I'll listen. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I just got three words to say. We are Marshall. Oh, okay. A- I like, well, they're going to say Penn State. I'm like, that, that's, that's four. <laughs> no, we are Marshall. I mean, I will say, I mean, I, I've seen that movie. And, you know, it's like, yeah, when you ever... I mean, I wanted to follow Marshall and how they were doing this year. And then it's like, you know, they played this game against Notre Dame. I was hoping they put up a fight. And they went into South Bend and ended up coming out on top. Marshall has pretty much spoiled Notre Dame season. They were... I mean, yes, I, I texted you that. It's like, can I change this? I mean, I thought they would have been okay after the Ohio State game, but now they lost to Marshall. Yeah, two games is like an official death sentence yep. in the uh, college football playoff. Teams don't make it with two losses. And now Notre Dame, I mean, they had a lot of good players. I mean, according to like some of the writers, but this just puts them out of like this contention. Losing to Marshall. And you look at just how the game played out. I mean, 201 yards for uh, their quarterback, throwing two interceptions, three interceptions total, by the way, for Notre Dame in that game. And a lot of their points came in the fourth quarter. By that time, you're already losing. And now Notre Dame, just a team that has been known to make the college football playoff, has just had their season ruined in the first opening weeks. I mean, Brian Kelly gone has already shown that that team needed him. And it, it was not a good way, you know, for the relationship to end. Everyone knows that, you know, you yeah. just said like goodbye and didn't really make it emotional, <laughs> but yet Notre Dame, a lot of, I know, I know Notre Dame fans and they, they got, they just got to be so frustrated with the fact that they just lost to a team from the Sunbelt conference. It's funny because, you can, if you're Notre Dame, you can survive the Ohio State loss. Like, that's an actual okay loss. When you lose outside of the top 20, top 25, that's when it's detrimental to your season. And not only did he lose once, but he's lost twice against a team that's not even ranked. And I don't even remember the last time Marshall's ever been ranked in my lifetime. It's been years since Marshall has been ranked. And 
now it just there goes Notre Dame's hopes and dreams, and maybe they'll get a they'll be lucky if they get a New Year's New Year's Day bowl game after two losses. Now they got to really bounce back and actually have a great end of the season, and it's only week three, but this is tough loss for them, and unfortunately. There goes one of your picks. So we now know Noah's going to be choosing at least one per, one team eventually to get Notre Dame out of his uh, final four college playoff prediction. But that that's tough for Notre Dame, especially a team that is normally pretty good at getting back in, and now they have no chance. Yeah, even if they go on a winning streak. I mean, as part of their independent schedule, they got uh, Cal next – then after that, North Carolina, then BYU, Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse, not to mention a game against Clemson, yep. and USC, who's actually doing a pretty good right now. Yeah. You know, their whole rivalry game that they do. And you, you have USC? I have USC as my final four. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of a stretch, but we'll see as uh, the season goes on. I mean, they ended up playing uh, Stanford, right? Yeah, they beat they Stanford 41-28 yep. to 28 this past week. And, and another game in the Kentucky right now. Yeah, look at look at Kentucky. I mean, they're carrying what they did last year, and they took down Florida. Yeah. I mean, the Gators just ha- didn't come into that game and at least showed up with a defense. They they did not have a defense to stop all those points. And Kentucky ended up with the 202 passing yards out of uh, was it Levis or Lev- Levis? Whoever, something like that. Yeah, we'll go with name. that. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, a lot of different uh, yards out of their receivers in Key and Magwood. But Kentucky now doing well in the SEC. But, of course, you know, they have to play Georgia at some point. So enjoy it while, while it lasts. Yep. I'm trying to think who, um, if I'm not mistaken, the top new top 25 list for college football, I'm pretty sure USC is ranked in the eighth because they were just tenth, and then they won against Stanford this past weekend. So I'm pretty sure they moved up two spots. Now, currently, currently according to CBS Sports, they as of September 11th, they are ranked number seven. Oh, so they're up three spots then. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're ranked number seven now. The your top six is Georgia one, Bama two, yep. Ohio State three. Michigan four, Clemson yep. five, and Oklahoma six. Yep, and USC is just breathing down everyone's necks, waiting for Oklahoma to lose at least one game, waiting for Michigan and Ohio State to beat up on each other later on in the season. Because uh, if you look at USC's schedule, after Stanford and Oregon, that's pre- it's it's smooth sailing. I, I don't think they're going to – I think a lot of people are thinking that Utah is going to be a tough out for them. If Alabama could destroy them, think about what USC could do to them. Who are you talking about? Utah. Didn't Utah lose to Alabama in week one? No, it was Utah State. Oh, Utah State. Okay. Either way. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And then uh, looking at USC's schedule, I mean, you mentioned, yeah, Utah's their toughest game. They don't play a ranked opponent. Out of anywhere in their schedule. I mean, they don't even, you said Oregon. They don't even have Oregon. They have Oregon State. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they have Fresno State this week, Arizona State the week after, Washington State, which if it was against Washington, that would be one thing, but it's not against Washington. Uh, Notre Dame at the very end could play spoiler for them, but by that point, they've already played enough for the Pac 12 to get into that championship game. 
I think it's smooth sailing right now from USC, and their receivers are so good. That number three Parker guy, I think it was, or Jordan Addison, he, oh my goodness, he is so smooth in his route running. I mean, USC has to be careful, though. You lose one of those Pac-12 games, you're kind of done because the the committee won't let up on a, a team knowing that, you know, there are some conferences that you shouldn't lose to. I mean, it's one thing to lose an SEC conference game for if you're Bama or Ole Miss or Texas A&M, but if you're USC and you lose to, say, Colorado, then they're like, yeah, you're not going to be inside the top ten even. <laughs> but, so. again, think about this. When USC and UCLA come to the Big Ten, how much better of a chance they're going to have going into that top 25 and top five of the rankings, because then you're going to go, you're going to play against Ohio state. You're going to play against Michigan. You're going to play against Wisconsin, Penn state, those teams who are normally ranked in that top 15. And even Penn state made it to the, uh, the top 22 now after they're winning uh, against Ohio and beating Purdue in week one, they got Auburn, the revenge game from last season, which Penn state should be able to win. We'll see. But again, I do love Joey Porter Jr. on that team. He's honestly my favorite player on that team right now because the way that he shuts down your best, your best player, they just can't – the offense against them just can't get anything going. Now to look at another team, Texas A&M. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How to go close, there. Close, close, close. I mean, it's one thing to lose to Marshall. It's another to lose to Appalachian State. <laughs> I mean, Michigan fans, you'll have a new buddy to join your support group. This is Texas A&M. Unless Everyone Rich sees Texas. Unless your Rich Eisner says, we're off the hook. We're off the hook. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you look at how A&M played in that game. They only had nine first downs compared to 22 out of Appy State. And they just ran out the clock, 41 minutes of possession time, just 18-31 for the Aggies. And they were two for eight. The Aggies were two for eight on third downs, and they did not move the ball well. 186 yards of total yards, while 315 for Appy State. And just 97 of those yards passing. They almost ran more yards than they did passing. That's not good. And – I mean, AM and Bama, you know, it's like recruiting tactics, all that. But yet, I mean, this was a poor loss for AM, a team that is always wanting to get into the college football playoff. It's not officially done for them yet, but this is a hard loss to swallow here, knowing that, you know, this was on your home field and yep. this should have been a winning, this should have been a winning game. But Appy State continuing to, you know, surprise some teams in their early going. I mean, you can't sleep on them. They always play tough football, no matter who their opponent is. Well, if you think about it, Appalachian State, and like back when they beat Michigan, they were just coming off, what, two FCS championship seasons and going undefeated. This wasn't just some fluke like, oh, we're going to pick you because you're, you're not really good or you're not really ranked. They're normally ranked, especially back when I was in high school, when this happened back in 06, they were a really good team. And a lot of teams forget that just because they're not in the FBS, B5, 
being in the SCS is still something else, is still another ranking you have to be on the lookout for. Now they are the Division One A tier Appalachian State, but they've they've got their share and they've had their greats uh, come in and out throughout that program. Texas A and M. My question is, I don't do they play against you guys this uh, season? They should. It's SEC West. Yeah, they're going on a. Uh... October eighth. Okay. And that one's that one's at Bryant Denny because we went to a College Station last year. So, if they can beat you guys, and in that week, then I think they're back on track and they have a chance. Although they have a really tough schedule, anyways, playing Miami this week, number ten Miami, and then you can play against uh, it looks like or thirteenth ranked Miami, tenth ranked Arkansas, back to back weeks. That's tough. But if yeah, they can Razor, win those two games and they beat Alabama, they got a good shot of getting yeah, back right, to this race. Got to remember the Razorbacks delivered it to them last year when they played uh, at the Cowboys Stadium, and yeah. you know Arkansas could be uh, tough to take down. And then Ole Miss. I mean, you remember Ole Miss was the team that beat them last year, but yep. then you know a. A&M can still control their own destiny. They got to try and take down Bama, but this time it's going to be a little harder. It's going to be on uh, our, it's going to be on Alabama's turf. And we, I'm sure if they better fill up that stadium because you know what they did to us last year, that wasn't right. And Alabama has got to give it to them. You sound so heartbroken over that. Hey, we, there's a, there's a, we should have won the game. I mean, you you don't want to lose you don't want to lose games to these teams, and you know we got to keep a And M down. Yeah. All right. Well, so we've already stumped pegs. We've already done our week one recap. I think there's only one less one few more things left to do for us, Noah, and that's do weeks two of the Mad Five picks. And I have them All in right. my hands because you gave them to me. We're gonna start with you, but first before we start. I just want to remind everyone what the record is after week one. Noah Pegler is two and three after week one. Eric Miller is four and one. All right. So I just have to throw that out there for everyone to know what the records are. Yeah, two games back, picking Green Bay and the Rams did not work out for me. But, you know, week one's always a tough uh, way to start off. But, you know. Sometimes you work your way back into the season, and you, that's when you figure out other teams and how they go. It's only up from here. Remember that. Just like your uh, Kutztown Golden Bears. They beat California. They upset number 17th ranked in the uh, NCAA D2. Apparently, you guys can play and score points, which is good to know. Uh, you guys play against Mercyhurst. We play good at home. That that, that That's the key. We play good at Andre Reed. That, that's always been our our strengths, and we ended up winning. And then, hey, your team won too. I know. So, I was shocked. But we play against IUP this I mean, week. I'd hope you beat. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got Mer- – we got a – they got a <laughs> – good sound's got to go all the way out to Mercyhurst, so that's a long trip. Eerie swing. Yep. And then you're back against Sh- uh, Shepard. On family day, are you going to family day? Uh, no. We got we gotta beat Shepherd. Last year was personal. That was our game. We should have won that. Eh. Man, <laughs> I, I called that game, and I still can't believe how it ended. Did you ever go to uh, East Stroudsburg, by the way? Um, I haven't. No, and oh. I mean, I gotta. 
it would, it would actually be nice to travel to some of these other uh, college games for Kutztown. I've been to Westchester, and yeah. uh, if I'm all, if I'm off, I might see. Uh, they travel to Millersville, and I should go to Millersville. It's not that far from here, from where uh, I'm at. Uh, so East Stroudsburg, I got to call a game my junior year, I think, the year that we went to the playoffs. And lost to Westchester because we only lost to two teams that year. Westchester both times at home, and East Stroudsburg actually their press box is really nice. Their stands are terrible. They look rusty as crap. Like they they look like they're about to fall. And any person that can sit in the stands, you're about to fall right through. But the press box is really nice, and you're right next to the uh, coaches of East Stroudsburg to the left of you. You have your own like little box, air condition, and you have two TV screens, one with the stats above you, one with the replay above you as well. So it's really nice. And I'll never forget, all you hear is, because you can hear East, we're destroying East Stroudsburg. Every facet of the game, we're destroying them. I think we ended up winning 41 to nothing uh, against East <laughs> Stroudsburg. And at one point we had to say, uh, we do want to remind you that we are apologizing for what you may hear on the side. Uh, we are next to Stroudsburg's coach's box. So we do apologize if you're hearing anything awkward that's not from us. <laughs> yeah, I've been there with coaches in the uh, adjacent box there and, you know, just being onto this other side. I mean, Especially I, basketball, I, that's the worst. I mean, yeah, I mean, I last year when I had to do a game at Westchester, and uh, there was a pass interference. All the Westchester guys are all mad and everything. And we're the only KU guys in the box. <laughs> <laughs> and your uh, sports information, your sports info director is probably there too. No, I mean, I, I don't know if he might made the trip down. I, I don't know if he made that trip down. My sports info guy. <laughs> yeah, and that was at Westchester. Yeah, it was at Westchester. Bloom, I will admit, I do love Bloomsburg's field and their uh, their press box. That's a good pl- that's a good time. All right, so let's get to these Madden five Mad Five picks. <laughs> All right, so you chose them this week. I'm gonna let you start off. All right, so yeah, I mean, I'll just let everyone know. You know, originally I could have thought Dallas Cincy, but seeing how no Dak, we're not gonna <laughs> go near that game because it's not even worth talking about on the Dallas side. <laughs> then Ouch. to look at to look at these games, uh, I gotta throw my guys in. So we got Carolina. Versus the New York Giants, the Giants coming off of a victory over the Titans. While you look at Carolina, a heartbreaking loss to the Cleveland Cleveland Browns. Eric, who are you taking in this one? I'm taking the Panthers, honestly. Uh, Baker Mayfield in week one completed 27 of 32. So it wasn't bad, but. His record against the NFC East, he's six touchdowns and zero interceptions with 110 uh, quarterback rating and four career starts. He also owns pretty much New York in New York. I mean, most of those wins came against the Jets, but he isn't bad against them either. Panthers lead all time series six to five and the Panthers have won three of the last four. I think the Giants got lucky last week. And I don't think it carries carries over. So actually, let me get my pen out again because I got to mark this down. I'm going with the uh, the Panthers in this game. All right. Usually, I mean, looking at these games, I mean, I I thought about throwing in a New York one because you know how often are we going to pick a Giants game this year? 
And <laughs> for this one, I got to go with my guys. I mean, I got to start believing again. I mean, I don't think we're the serious playoff contenders, but I think we could win this game. I think Daniel Jones will learn from his mistakes. He's not going to have a perfect passer rating, but I think he could at least, you know, hopefully limit the turnovers this week. And Saquon, I'm sure he's going to have those Giants fans on his back. This is a home opener at MetLife Stadium. I got to take my Giants knowing that there's a chance now that we can go 2-0. and So Eric will be going 5-1 and after that one. <laughs> Next, we have the uh, New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I chose this game because, you know, there's a lot of history between these two teams in the AFC. And Mitchell Trubisky going up against Mac Jones. Usually it used to be Brady Roethlisberger, a new era between these two teams. Pittsburgh coming off an amazing win. Luckily, again, a lucky win against Cincy. And then New England right now 0-1 after a bad loss to Miami. I'll start with this one since I had you pick uh, last time. All right. For this one, uh, I mean, it's like, can I really say the Patriots are going to go 0-2? I mean, is that even possible? I don't even know if it's possible by Belichick standards. So let me see on CBS who's favored in this one because they usually run the uh, – the betting in this and New England's actually favored by two in this one. New England let me down last week, but I think I'll take him this week. If they let me down one more time, I don't think I could pick them again, but I think Pittsburgh was real lucky last week. They should have lost that game. So I'm going to take the Patriots. So the Steelers lead all time series, 15 out of 13 Patriots have won the last five out of six games. The last time these two teams played was in 2019. That was the opener season opener when the Patriots dominated the uh, Steelers 33 to three. It was also, I believe Tom Brady's last year in new England. Anyways, uh, the last win for the Steelers came in Pittsburgh back in 2018. It was in a December game. The Steelers won 17 to 10. Belichick is 15 and 12 all time against the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin is three and eight all time against the New England Patriots. So it's interesting because Mac Jones did get hurt last week. He is feeling better, but he is uncertain right now for week two's game. Uh, If you're going by the quarterback, if Mac Jones is playing, then I would take him as of right now. He's is uncertain. So we're not really quite sure they are trying to rush him back. Trubisky has a better rushing attack. With the uh, with Najee Harris than the Patriots do, and I also like the uh, the receiving core for the Steelers more than I do with with the Patriots. Now they are going to be without T.J. Watt. That is true. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, I think they're still getting a second opinion right now of his torn pectoral. I'm picking the Steelers in this one. I think it's very hard to believe New England is going to go zero and two, but I think we're in the harsh reality where. New England is just not the same New England as we're used to seeing with Tom Brady and company. This is a new New England, and I I don't think they're going to do it. I'll be shocked if they do, but I don't I don't trust New England as much as I trust Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I might change my pick depending on Jones's health because that's <laughs> a bit debatable there. Yeah. So that is that one. Looks like I'll be going uh, six and one. Uh, <laughs> 
Now we have the Ravens and Dolphins as uh, this one was surprising last year. Everyone thought Baltimore would just win the game. I mean, you know, when I believe these two teams met and Miami ended up surprising him. And now Miami, I mean, winning their week one game, they ended up defeating New England and then Baltimore beating the Jets. So, Eric, who are you taking in this one? I am picking Baltimore. Um, the last time that these two teams were actually at this site, they the Ravens won 40 to nothing back in 2017, though. Uh, I think it's going to be tough, but John Harbaugh is 8-2 and two against the Miami Dolphins. Now, this is also Mike McDaniel's first time play, or coaching against him and John Harbaugh, but... Uh, if J.K. Dobbins is is going to make his season debut in this game, Kenyon Drake did pretty well last week. He uh, he had a pretty good yardage in that one, and it, I think Mark Andrews is going to be the big key in this game. I think if because he was so shut down last week against Sauce Gardner, I don't think Xavier Howard or Kadu uh, uh, can actually do what Sauce Gardner did last week to Mike Andrews, I think, or Mark Andrews, he's going to find a way to get out there. Also, the other hidden gem that Baltimore has been hiding on us is uh, Duvernay, who had 50 yards receptions last week with two touchdowns to go for the week one win against the Jets. I'm picking Baltimore in this game, and I think Miami's good. I just think Lamar Jackson is going to prove it, it. I think it's going to be a field goal game. Honestly, I would say 23, 20 is going to be the final score in this game. Well, you and I are going to agree on this one. I picked Baltimore as oh, well. Man. And <laughs> I know Miami played well. They got Tyree kill and a lot of people were, uh, well, I mean, Miami can have anything going on for them. And yeah. I think, uh, Baltimore, Baltimore's, uh, a good team to try and win the AFC North. And I think this will be a good win for them. So I'm taking the Ravens. All right. So next, next, go for next it. matchup is the Arizona Cardinals and Las Vegas Raiders, two teams that both lost one badly. And the other just fell short being sacked six times by that chargers defense. And looking at this game, the Raiders are favored by five and a half. And looking at this one, I mean, the Cardinals, they have their wide receiver issues. And, I mean, Arizona, I mean, they, they will have hope once they get to at least back to DeAndre Hopkins. And, I mean, that it was just a sloppy game against Kansas City. And then knowing that the Raiders, they could have come back in this game. And then, you know, maybe it was just the fact that it was uh, Josh McDaniel's first coaching gig in like almost a decade. But I think playing in front of that Raider crowd in Vegas will be a great time. So I'm taking the Raiders to uh, win this game, and they're going to work their way back up to the uh, AFC West. Looks like we're both agreeing again because I'm also picking the Raiders in this one. Uh, The Cardinals have won two of the last three times these teams have met. The Raiders do have the all-time series record, although the last time these two teams played was back in uh, 2014 at – in uh, Oakland, by the way, when it was Oakland, it's not, it's no longer Oakland or in Las Vegas. The last game that these two teams played was the Raiders 23 Cardinals 21 back in 2018. So neither, I mean, maybe Carr was on that team, but this is different team because 
Now you have an actual deep threat with Devontae Adams. And you know he's going to run his routes really well. You have a really good two running back tandem with Josh Jacobs and Brandon uh, Bolden. You also have Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I, I think the Raiders have too many weapons, which was the problem last week for the the Chiefs against the Cardinals. There was too many weapons that these two teams have that, I mean, if you look at it, it's kind of identical with the, the offensive play with really good receivers for the Raiders and the Chiefs. And that's why I'm picking the Raiders in this one. And I, I just don't think the, the matchup defensively bolds well. Now, I think the Cardinals, they're not going to have J.J. Watt on this uh, playing. The Buda Baker is good, but which receiver are you going to cover? Are you going to put him on Adams? Are you going to put him on Renfro? Are you going to put him on Waller? It, there's just too many options. And I don't think uh, Buda Baker can do it by himself. So both of us are taking the Raiders. The last game of the uh, Mad Five picks is the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills as Tennessee lost to the New York Giants on a missed field goal and Buffalo really playing well so far. And everyone is uh, jumping on tables and, you know, doing that, whatever style. Buffalo traditions. <laughs> yep. Buffalo is favored by uh, 10 points in this one. It is in Buffalo. And uh, Eric, who are you going to take in this game on Monday night football? I'm taking Buffalo. Honestly, I think. There is no way that you're, again, too many weapons, too much to handle for the uh, the Bills. And the Titans' defense isn't that good. I didn't think they showed up really well. When you have a guy, uh, an MVP caliber quarterback, Josh Allen, who went 26-31 for 297 uh, yards, he did throw two picks in that game as well. But it just – the Bills are just built different this year and they feel different um the titans do have the all-time series lead 29 to 17 the titans have won the last two but again the bills are taking last year's loss and the last two seasons loss in the postseason and carrying that with them to make sure they never feel that again and i think they're just going to steamroll a lot of these opponents now last time these two teams played it was last um I think it was at Tennessee. They ended up losing 31-34. But the last time these two teams played at the at uh, Highmark Stadium was a 13-12 win for the Bills back in 2018. So this this just feels different for the Buffalo Bills. And I'm, ta- I'm taking them, and I'm going to ride them for as long as I possibly can. And to wrap up our Mad Five picks, Tennessee is in a bit of a rough patch right now. I mean, the chance to go 0-2. And and now Buffalo, knowing how rowdy those Bill fans are, and they're going to be making a lot of noise knowing that this has got to be their year. So I'm taking Buffalo to win this game. Three straight picks, obviously, we matched. And the Bills are going to have a fun time on Monday Night Football. So and, I'm taking Buffalo. And by the way, Tennessee, Tennessee should technically be one and no, by the way. And after this game, they should be one and one. Unfortunately, they're going to go. Oh, and two. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it matters down to every game. And, you know, New York, you know, gets to celebrate a week one win. Yep. 
So those are our Mad Five picks. Uh, we agree on the last three, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Raiders, and Buffalo Bills. We do not agree on Carolina or the Giants. You took the Giants. I took the Panthers. I took reality. You took fantasy. Uh, <laughs> and for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England game, I took Pittsburgh and you took New England. Again, I'll change my New England pick if Jones isn't ready to go. I can do that. <laughs> I will post this on Facebook, and once it's you have until Friday night. How about that? Until about seven o'clock when I'll post this on our uh, Facebook page. If Jones isn't listed by then, maybe I'll just change my picks to the Steelers. Then all right. <clears throat> uh, normally on this part of the show, we do our honest day in sports history, and I got that today. So, what is honest day in sports history? You're asking. That's a good question. Let me get to some of that. On this day in sports history, Giants in 1954, Giants Willie Mays gets the 82nd extra base hit, which actually breaks Mel Ott's record of extra base hits back in the day, which is crazy to think because now that's that bro- that record has been broken for so long. Um, on this day in 1958, the Yankees win the 24th pennant. And the ninth under Casey Stengel. What a great time of year. It's it's going to be because obviously we know that the uh, Dodgers, they clinched last night. Uh, they're what, like 10th straight ANL West title? Ninth out of 10. They didn't win last year. <laughs> oh, but again, their division is the toughest division. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going to take that out. That's still going to be the best quote that the NAL West is the best division in baseball. I'm sorry, but when you have the the Orioles, the Yankees, the Rays, and the Red Sox have, and the, well, yeah, and the Blue Jays have all won the AL East, and you're going to say your division's tougher. I can't let that go. I'm sorry. I will keep bringing that up. Uh, on this day in sports history, 1980, Dwight Clark begins NFL streak of 105 consecutive game receptions. I wonder if that streak is still standing today. Bo no, Jackson. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you, yeah, it's tough to, you know, have those consecutive records, you know, with uh, getting those receptions. I mean, you in the NFL, I mean, it's just tough to play in a full season just because of how brutal it could be on your body. Yeah. And that's also playing in the 80s when you had the uh, defenses like the Chicago Bears back in the day and also the Steelers defense. So those defenses are a lot different than the defenses we have nowadays. Not to mention a man named Lawrence Taylor, (laughs) who also, by the way, that that uh, um, series or not series, that episode will be up about Joe Theismann and Lawrence Taylor uh, when he broke his leg. And it's still gross to think about even to this day. Uh, In 1986, Bo Jackson's first home run was a 475 foot blast, and it was the longest at Royal Stadium. Wow. 475 feet. That's crazy. Imagine uh, we had StatCast back then. <laughs> I know, right? In uh, 1987, Cal Ripken Jr.'s record streak of 8,243 consecutive innings, which is 908 games, is finally broken. You just don't have records like that anymore. Yeah. Here's another record that probably will never be broken. Uh, in 1987, Toronto Blue Jays hit a record 10 home runs against the Baltimore Orioles. In a game? Yeah, in one game. Wow. Again, a lot of these records are going to be baseball-related because 
it is towards the end of the regular season for baseball. And these were when these records happen. 1996, uh, 1996 as Mark McGuire, A's Mark McGuire, is the 13th player to hit 50 home runs in a season. Uh, also 96, Todd Huntley of the Mets recorded his 41st home run by a catcher, which is a, that, that's got to be up there in uh, up there in the ranking somewhere. In 2003, Baltimore running back Jamal Lewis sets the NFL single game rushing record when he rushes when he ran for four, 295 yards, two touchdowns on 30 carries, and the Ravens' 33-13 victory over the Cleveland Browns. I had a feeling it was against Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, right. When isn't it against Cleveland? And uh, last but not least, we'll do a uh, U.S. Men's Tennis Open in 2009. U.S. Open Men's Tennis Juan Martinez beats. Uh, Juan Martin Del Potro of Argentina wins his first Grand Slam title. Do you know who he beat? Um, I'm going to guess Roger Federer. Correct. That does not count as some pegs, but I will count that. Beats the defending champion Roger Federer three to six, seven to six, four to six, seven to six, and six to two. And that is on this day in sports history. All right. So I have quote of the day, and this quote comes from. Uh, Trendspotter.net, and this is a quote from Stephen Richards: "The only time you fail is when you fall down and stay down." I mean, that's part of the whole idea, where you know it's like when the whole thing is is that you will fail and you will have your struggles. There are mistakes in life, but yet if you let them keep you down then that's the only way you won't find success. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I mean, you got to come back stronger somehow, no matter how hard life can get, you just got to figure out how to rise back up. But again, that's part of the whole motivation. Again, this is from Stephen Richards. The only time you fail is when you fall down and stay down. And that came from trendspotter.net. And that was our quote of the day. All right. And that is the quote of the day. And that's probably going to do it for us here on the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Again, thank you for uh, joining us wherever you may be listening. Remember, if you if you go on the uh, website of Alpine Unlimited Co., you can use code Eric10 to receive 10% off your entire order. That again is Eric code Eric10 and receive 10% off your entire order. We spent a lot of time on the NFL and college football, but again, that's just what the times have given us. Uh, more recently, or more in the coming weeks, we'll spend a lot of time on baseball because playoffs will be starting. So we'll be talking about that shortly as well. And then probably doing a double feature of football and baseball. So for uh, Noah Pegler, I don't know if you have any final words that you would like to say. Well, I'm just hoping the Giants go 2-0. And yeah, you let's, hope, let's hope Kutztown, you know, tries to get another win. A long trip for us to Mercyhurst. Yep, so for Noah Pegler, Eric Miller signing off. Thank you guys for uh, listening. And until next time.